0: Welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild podcast. Today we're in for a bit of a different kind of format here. Um, Ever since the very first time I interviewed Paul Corman as a guest on this show, he has constantly been suggesting that he take a turn to interview me, which I was steadfastly against because if there's one thing I do not enjoy, it is talking about myself. But now that Paul is actually the producer, he has actually actually climbed the ranks above me and is now my boss. So I have to submit to this, um, interrogation. So take it away, Paul.
1: All right, everyone. Well, um... Here's your host. I am. Um. Uh, I'm glad you finally gave in. Mate, peer pressure is still alive and prevalent. Um. I, I appreciate you sitting down with me today and uh, hearing you call me boss was uh, was was kind of sexy, mate. Um. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that after the recording. Um. Anyway, uh, I, I think I immediately broke the first rule. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a long one <laughs> for me, anyways. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the question now is Will it be published? Let's see. Um, <laughs> all right. So, we're going to do this proper. Uh, for anybody else that's listened to uh, previous podcasts where I um, kind of uh, forced my way into it, I promise this one will not be uh, anarchy like the last couple of ones. I, I don't promise that, but that's the goal. <laughs> so, <my laughs> I'm just going to say is- for the record that I am none too pleased about this
0: turn of events.
1: I really like it, too. It's got this nice kind of grinchy attitude right before Christmas. (laughs) It's lovely. It's more fun when you fight it, mate. (laughs) All right, so we're sitting down here with our man, Rick Esley. Um, Rick, so the first question I've got for you tonight, mate, is could you give us a little 101 on who some call an apparition, others a deity, and some a future martyr, and that is you um what about me yeah I don't, I don't really know i just liked all those big words i just done say. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you kind of lost me i i i i'm not sure exactly what the question was that was just a bunch of descriptors and then expected yeah.
1: pause i i don't really have notes i just have lists of long impressive words i could say so mm. that's, my, that's my mistake they oh, were no, impressive i a... thought you were talking about somebody else for a second <laughs> I'm building you up mate. All right, um, all right. So, so the basic question is just just a little one on one about you. Um, quick little background. Um Yeah, see this is why I don't like did
0: I, see this is why <laughs> I didn't want to do this. Immediate um, resistance. I, am, I I don't have an elevator pitch for myself because like talking like I said, talking about myself is like the thing I really enjoy the least in this world. Um, I don't know what to say. I have, uh, uh, I have a bit of a background in theater and then I failed at that. So I went into, um, uh, I went into film electrical and failed at that. And, uh, just kind of waffled around a bit, trying to pay the bills, and I failed at that. And then eventually, um, <laughs> I failed enough times that the government took pity on me and put me into uh, an office admin program. And I've just sort of been doing that. And then, okay, wow, this is really uninteresting. <laughs> but just, <laughs> I'm, I, I don't I'm know what anyone, every word. I, I don't know what value anyone could possibly derive from all this.
1: All right. well, I, I disagree. We we you know, we've heard you interview lots of lovely people, and 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 uh, I think people are genuinely curious about who you are. Um, so well, we can it, well we see. Can... I'm
0: fine with interviewing other people because I ask a question and then I stop talking. Which I'm not saying you should do. I encourage you to keep talking so that I don't have to. I'm just saying if you're, uh, th- this is not the same as me being an interviewer because I like being able to not talk.
1: And I like my, uh, kind of listening to you squirm, so I think I'll, I'll stay as little as possible. <laughs> but well, to, congratulations to kind of, then <laughs> to tidy up your, your end. So basically, you like long walks on the beach, uh, a good novel, and uh, cupping a hot uh, cup of tea with two hands. Well, I, I think everyone just hang on. The, the Mickey I slipped in his drink will kick in soon. He'll be a lot more willing to go along with this. Um <laughs> Um, so, the next question, this one's quite serious, so let's kind of sit bolt upright and, and deal with it. All right. Um, I, I heard through the grapevine, little birdie came on my shoulder and said that um, you have a disdain for pants uh, and wearing them in public. Why?
0: Uh, no, I'm fine with wearing them in public. I just don't like wearing them in private. Uh, shorts are comfy and easy to wear. Yeah, I don't know. I, the only pants I really wear are jeans, and they're not really comfortable to be sitting around in all day. And, uh, I, I find it even more uncomfortable to be in slacks. So honestly, I don't know. I've, it's actually, interestingly enough, even though I say that jokingly amongst my friends, oh yeah, I don't wear pants. It's actually because I have, um, a very, a very sensitive sense of touch. So a lot of materials actually really, um, irritate my skin quite a, quite a bit. And if things are sort of like, slightly off-centered or bunched up or something it actually really um, is very noticeable to me, distractingly so. So the less I wear is actually a lot more comforting to me because I don't have all this material scraping up against my skin.
1: Rick, you dirty brute. All right. I like that. Very sensitive to touch. Um, Would you change your answer if I assured everyone listening that that you live farther than 500 feet from a school and that the NSA is not listening? (laughs) no all right all right i'll I'll leave you be on that um (laughs) (laughs) all right next question um so uh you are one of the or if not the founder of the cgg of the classic gamers guild is that correct
0: um i am the one who filled out the forms
1: yes all right, all right. So, could you tell me um, why you decided to start the CGG? You know how it became to be the behemoth, the industry standard, the kingdom <laughs> that it is today.
0: Um, well, I'm glad somebody feels that way. Uh, I don't know. It's it's such a long story, and there's so many different levels. It's not any really one thing, particularly. Uh, there was a whole bunch of different factors. That would take so long for me to explain that I'm already getting bored of myself not explaining it. Um, But I think the shortest way I can really give a concise, condensed answer is to say that... um, You ever hear that saying, uh, be the change that you want to see in the world? I have. Yeah, so I basically decided to create the group that I wanted to be a part of. So I was... uh, just a little over a year, just under a year and a half ago now, I started joining a lot of these uh, online communities for classic gaming. A lot of like uh, Sierra fan groups, LucasArts fan groups, point and click adventure stuff. Um, and they were great. And I really liked it. Like, I really enjoyed the communities. I really enjoyed the people I was posting with. And it. The only thing was, you know, stuff started to happen. There's like a bunch of drama going on. And I just sort of felt that um, some of the groups were a little bit too lenient for my liking to allow a lot of stuff to sort of go unchecked. So I decided, well, you know, I'll just create my own group and um, (laughs) just decide, okay, well, I I really like the community, but I just think that things should be a little bit different. So I'll just start my own group, my own little niche and uh just uh see where that goes and over time over you know almost a year and a half now we've uh taken off a fair a fair bit we're at about 1900 plus members at the moment so it's been it's been going well we we do still deal with drama every now and then but we do take care of it as best as to our abilities and i think that's kind of um that's kind of what makes us different and that's the difference that i wanted to have
1: in our group uh, I feel like a second ago when you said uh, 1,900, you were tempted to list the actual exact number. I'm not sure. I'm not no, sure, but um, <laughs> I, I don't. I
0: don't remember numbers very well. I just know that it were over 1,900, but not quite 2,000
1: yet. Which is really good for for under a year and a half. I, and uh, no, I, I think I think that you've done a lovely job, and this this place is, is really nice for uh, for all of us. It Feels kind of like a family vibe. Mm. Um, uh, I, actually, you know, what? I should also
0: mention because you know, for the most part, I know that. Most of the people who are listening to this are very familiar. They're probably members of the Classic Gamers Guild. But now that we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, in case you're somebody who's listening to this that doesn't know anything that we're talking about, the Classic Gamers Guild is just a Facebook group, just a little discussion group that discusses classic games or any games. It just focuses on people who grew up playing classic games and where we are right now in terms of our expectations of the industry, a lot of people have become indie developers and artists inspired by video games. And we, we try to support those efforts moving forward and sort of like a bit of a, since we've hit a bit of a throwback era to the old style, like the Sierra, the Lucas Arts, and that sort of thing. So uh, you, you can find us on Facebook. Just look up. The classic gamers guild rather than me having to spell out all of the urls but basically that's what we're talking about when we say the classic gamers guild which is uh that came first before this podcast started this is sort of a branch of the group and that's what we're that's what
1: we're referring to yeah no very very well put mate. and um going back about five minutes um i'd like to go on <laughs> was i right say... talking
0: that long <laughs> sorry i know no, i ramble problem. but uh
1: <laughs> it's fun to exaggerate you know that's all um uh, and, and one thing to add actually to 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 your mentioning of the classic gamers guild I definitely encourage anyone listening to of course come come check us out there uh the podcast isn't just a clever name it comes from a group and uh furthermore you know really one of the things i love about it the most is that it supports people from all walks of life you know there's really just a no judgment anybody you know can come in and feel at home, not feel judged. Um, which believe it or not, there's a lot of people on the internet that are kind of judgy, you know? Um so I never yeah. noticed that. Right. When you when you mentioned uh trying to create a group without drama, I was like, yeah, I didn't know there was drama on the internet. Um but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, so uh I'll, I'll move forward for a Um since, you know, I'm a host now and you know can't be uh can't be off sidetracked uh,
0: you're doing well so far do you, do you want my job from now uh, on no,
1: I, I really don't there's a lot more pressure in this position i can't i can't just muck about the whole time and you reel me back in i gotta try and be some sort of constant I, I won't go as far as to say role model that's bloody well not true we all know that um but uh you know a lot of pressure so no i don't but thank you all right uh, i i I just want to continue to barge in on podcasts as much as I can and derail situations. That's all good. I'm really just trying
0: to kill time until we hit the 30 minute mark so we can end.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll have you know we're on question three out of 36. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm kidding for anyone listening. All right. Don't get discouraged. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, let's, let's kind of go back to getting to know, you know, like VH one behind the music. This is behind the Rick. Um, Mm Going back to your childhood, um, you know, classic games are all about waxing nostalgic. Um, Did you have a childhood or was it more of like a Michael Jackson, Santa's story? And if that's the case, please don't share it and bring us down.
0: I have no idea what this question is about. (laughs) I I, I was at one point a child. I know that I'm almost 40 now, but I did start in earlier years. If that's what you're asking.
1: We we know that, like, walks on the beach, he was indeed a child, uh, and even then, he didn't wear pants. We're getting somewhere, I I promise.
0: I did used to be young when I was younger, if that's the answer that you're looking for.
1: All right, perfect. No, it is. Um, All right, I guess the kind of fundamental of the question is, um, how did you get into gaming? Uh, Do you have, like, a... Could you share with us maybe your earliest fond memory of gaming?
0: Um yeah it's it's weird because I have two older brothers, and we we did we all enjoyed video games, but none of them really enjoyed it quite so much as I did. I think some people are just sort of very inclined to it, and others aren't. I think I immediately took to video games as soon as I picked up a joystick i think um uh probably one of the f- earliest games I can really Im- remember playing uh other than these little handheld kind of um not really quite game and watch but you know that sort of you know bleep bloop little, um, <laughs> po- uh, handheld games. I think the first like console I played console game I played was adventure for the Atari 2600. And, um, I, I don't know what it was about it, but I was just, I just got hooked for like hours just playing this thing. I couldn't get very far, but I just had so much, I was just so absorbed in sucking at this game. And that would kind of that that's kind of been the last like thirty five years of my life has just been like getting absorbed in sucking at games because <laughs> I'm actually not very good I've you know not really finished a whole heck of a lot of them but um you know a little bit later my my family is one of the few at the time that actually had like a, a PC so a lot of the a lot of my friends would get uh, Nintendo's. You know my my parents wanted to get us wanted to get a computer. They got us a computer, and I started using that for homework to write up essays and stuff like that while people were still uh, writing by hand. And um, it the computer that we bought came with a game called Three D Helicopter Simulator, which was actually a Sierra game, although people don't really remember that one because it's not an adventure game. And then shortly after that, one of the neighborhood kids had. Uh, had bought Police Quest, or their parents bought it for them. And so, you know, times being what they were, uh, we didn't really have a lot of money, so when the neighborhood kid, when somebody, when one of the neighborhood kids would buy a game, that meant we all had that game now. And it just happened to be Police Quest. I was the only one in my family who sort of had a natural knack for computers that I actually figured out how to load the game because no one else really knew what to do with this stuff because it wasn't a Commodore 64. And once I figured that out, we started playing Police Quest and that was it. Like, that was just, um, you know, that that was the formative gaming uh, experience for me. i just always been so drawn and attached to these text adventures because it was something that computer gaming had that Nintendo couldn't do. You know, Nintendo only had the little gamepad, same with Atari, same with Sega. But... You know, PC, we had the whole keyboard. So when we wanted to play a flight simulator, we had like dozens of keys that we could work with. We could like type, and you know, we had games that were based on stories and characters as opposed to uh, jumping around and collecting coins and such like that. So it was kind of a matter of pride at that point that you know that these adventure games exist where you could walk around, talk to characters, solve puzzles. And that's basically how I got hooked onto that.
1: And, and everyone, you heard it here first that is the Big Bang, the both of a legend. Um, I appreciate that, mate. And he houses for professional. I'm going to transition so hard right now. It's going to be beautiful. You, you um, totally
0: didn't because you just said that you were going to transition. You just do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to jot that down in my notes. <laughs> Sorry for that spot of bother. Uh, <laughs> okay,
0: now that I've ruined your transition, you may now transition.
1: Well, no, I, I think you're right. I think I preemptively ruined it, so it's all right. But, um, <laughs> I think uh, there's absolutely nobody, at least by now, that thinks I'm the least bit professional at this, so Sorry, uh, we can at least poke I, fun at that.
0: I give you a hard time because I know this is the sort of stuff I wish somebody told me when I first started doing this.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, be like, hey, you see how I filled in that white noise back there? Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd done a <laughs> hosting I did. Um, all right, so for my... Uh, oh, I was about to announce it again. Anyway, next question, mate. is uh, <laughs> uh, I, I gather that, that you're more of a, a PC guy than a, than a console guy. Obviously, gamers, all of us like both uh, to certain degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever... Um, do you own like a retro, vintage PC? Are you into builds, things like this?
0: Unfortunately, I don't right now. Um, I just, I, I just really recently got done moving um moving from bc in canada which is like the west coast all the way to on- uh, all the way to ontario uh, so by the time i had gotten into retro gaming as like kind of like a passionate hobby it was really not a time when i could have gone and uh, started working on building a retro build right. and um now that I'm in Ottawa, I don't know the I don't know the city very well, so I don't really know where to look to find all the parts and pieces. so um, I, I wouldn't mind doing that one of these years, but it's not really it's not really on the horizon at the moment.
1: Well, no, I understand. it's. It's. I, I, I'm absolute drunk with um, uh, h- hardware, you know, like the software side, of course, you know, just plug and play. And speaking of which, are you more of like a um, plug and play kind of guy or do you like to um, something? Uh, do you like to tinker? Do you like to, you know, get into DOS box settings or scumbian settings?
0: Um, I've always been a very tinker kind of guy. It's not just with computers, but just like anything mechanical. I like taking apart things and seeing how they work how they work uh, when things break. The first thing I do is try to see if I can fix it. And, you know, probably a good 60% of the time I can, uh, even if it's like a bandaid solution. So I've always been sort of like that kind of dabbling with mechanics and computers and stuff like that. I've always had that sort of inclination uh, to be able to figure this sort of stuff out. But, um, and, and when I was younger, especially, yeah, you know, when I was like probably about 17, 18, around that time uh i did really like the fact that you know one of the appeals of pcs was that i could basically just keep upgrading it updating it just keep um you know ripping parts out putting new parts in and that sort of thing you know i, I used to call my uh i used to call my old computer the millennium falcon because like the side was just permanently taken down with all the wires hanging out of it and um you know it's just an ongoing work in progress of just you know taking parts out and putting parts in that I salvaged from other computers at the uh, at the, uh, used computer store where I used to work at. But I don't know, now I kind of do, you know, now as I get older, I do kind of want something that'll just work and work forever that I don't have to really bother with anymore. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, there'll be things that I enjoy, like, you know, oh, upgrade the RAM. I can do that. Put in a video card. I can do that. But uh, I really like plug and play as opposed to, you know, dabbling with jumpers and configurations and config files and that sort of thing so i do like customizability i i'm kind of a little bit tired of uh things being harder than they really could be and now that things are very plug and play sure that's cool That's uh make things easy and that's great
1: Well, right, yeah it's, it's funny how you get older we we, we lose our, our kind of you know Patience, basically. and mm-hmm. You know, that, that whole having a family or wife, jobs, it kind of doesn't need much time for all that, so that, that makes perfect sense. You mentioned back there that you, um, if you find something that's um, broken, you'd like to fix it. Now, mate, um, I'm broken. Uh, could you fix me?
0: <laughs> uh, broken in what way? Uh, we'll
1: have to go off air for that. That's a whole therapy session. If you if you, <laughs> if you have a chase lounge, then we'll talk about it.
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tinker with your brain, but I'm... Highly unqualified. Um, you have to realize half the things that I work with uh, break far worse than I actually managed to repair. So,
1: <laughs> well, It sounds like a fun social experiment uh, at my expense, but I'm willing. I'm signed up. <laughs> um, all right, just so um, a through. lot
0: of alcohol. <laughs> that, that's the fix for everything. If you're broken, yeah, just right. drink. That's how I got through the last 10 years of my life.
1: So you'll just feed me alcohol. All right, that sounds good. Sounds like a good time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I do want to say that I am being very facetious throughout all this. I'm not nearly this dark and bare. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to give you a hard time. I just, uh, I think this is an amusing situation that I find myself in right now. <laughs>
1: Um, this is actually t- turning into a, a, I think, a therapy session for you. I'm basically a f- like a fluffer. I'm getting you prepared for future podcasts. You know, this is therapy for you in, in a strange twist here. Um, getting, getting you comfortable with your inner self, mate.
0: Yeah, I guess um, there is that. I guess, I guess that there is some usefulness that comes out of all this.
1: You want to talk about it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyways, I'll, I'll try to take this a lot more seriously from now on. Is what I'm saying. I'll I'll, I'll stop trolling you just for the sake of being an ass. Uh,
1: let's see. I'm, I'm going to move us on here, being uh, the host, <clears throat> as I adjust my neckerchief and my tie. Um, so, uh, could you give me, uh, let's see, three games that. I was going to say three games that changed your life, but that's a bit dramatic, isn't it? So maybe, um, like your three favorite games, one of the two you pick. I'm not a host. I don't know. <laughs>
0: um, three favorite games, um, quest for glory series, Ultima seven and fallout two.
1: That was really quick. Well, I've, right.
0: I've answered this question so many times, uh, I was, uh, you know, running the classic gamers guild, which, uh, as I've established is a discussion group. Uh, the, the question has come up quite a few times. What are your favorite games? And I've had a lot of time to think about it because I've been answering this like, um, you know, i sorry, I'm not to make that sound hostile towards you. I'm just sort of like stating that. Yeah. I, I actually have thought about this quite a lot because I have probably answered this question like 10 times over the past year and a half. Um, so uh, yeah, that if I sounded really ready with that response, it's because uh, I've had a lot of time to think about it.
1: It was actually really professional, and and, and I, I oddly enjoy the hostility, which I often talk to the therapist <laughs> about, but but don't mind that at all. It's no bother. <laughs> and and I I, I pride myself uh, on being a host as far as doing research on my guests, um, uh, but since I've never done this before, I couldn't find a biography on you no audio nothing, Um so I, di- I didn't actually see that but um, <laughs> but, but, but we'll move on to uh, something else that's uh not what you would call a transition rather just a <laughs> brief rather just a brief pause while i find the next fucking note here Let's see.
0: <laughs> i like that you're an open book I, I i like that you have absolutely no internal monologue whatsoever <laughs>
1: Oh, God, it gets me in so much trouble off this microphone (laughs) now, (laughs) mate. All right, so let's see. Um, What's one game that you would hope the listeners would try? You know what I'm saying? Like one game you just really would kind of push on people, if you will. Something like uh, members of the guild, people that aren't members that are listening in. What would you like them to try?
0: Hmm. Uh, That's... That's actually a pretty good one, cause um, I'm trying to think of what it would be, like what the criteria would be for a game that I want people to try. Um, well, the tricky thing is, I, I sort of have this little bit of a, I don't know what you would call it. Just you know, if, a, if I mention a game too many times, I try not to mention that game for a little while. So you know, there's quite a few games that I've sort of championed as an underdog that I just mentioned so many times they're no longer underdogs anymore because I mention them all the time so I got to find other underdogs that I don't mention and it's also it's funny because the community of classic gamers are people who grew up with all the games that I played so even though in real life it's hard to find people that played these games in this community you know everyone's played these games so you know there's a lot of games like XCOM and Syndicate and Lemmings these are all games that um you know people take for granted that like, oh yeah, of course everyone's played those ones. So those aren't, uh, those are, um, those aren't underrated or underappreciated at all. Even though, you know, walk on the street and talk to people and see who knows what those games are. But, um, so yeah, what would be a game that I want everyone to play that they haven't already played, that I haven't mentioned a hundred times already? Um, If I... If I had to choose one that I think is probably lesser known, that I think people would really enjoy, I would probably go with uh, the Dark Sun series. So that'd be Dark Sun, Shattered Lands, and Dark Sun, Wake of the Ravager. And I think, you know, um, a lot of classic gamers obviously have a bit of um, affinity for tabletop Dungeons & Dragons. And, you know, it's based on Dungeons & Dragons 2nd edition, I think. So I think people really like 2nd Edition as well. And it's, it's a really good computer game that, um, that actually kind of captures the feel of playing sort of a tabletop. And it's uh, turn-based combat, a lot of good, um, uh, you know, multiple solutions. It's a good, you know, it's a kind of pretty basic story, but it's, a, but it's pretty uh, um, engaging with a lot of subplots and subquests. Uh, I think people would, would really enjoy because it it's uh you know all the characters you have a party of four you create them all uh customized all, all the uh, all the usual races and classes and also a few um, unusual ones like you can play an insect that has uh, that can't wear any armor because it has six arms but it can like uh, attack up to six times in a in a turn uh, so I think yeah I think it's a game that really should be regarded a lot more than it is. I think the people who play it regard it very highly, myself included. But it's just one of those ones that not as many people have actually played, so they don't really realize how good this ga- these games
1: were. I th- I think that's a, a really, really good, really good choice. Um, have I heard of it or played it? Absolutely not. Um, but <laughs> well, you it's, should. It's on. It's, it's on. It's
0: on, it, it's on GOG com, So uh, it's, it's actually very uh, accessible these days.
1: You hear that, Georgie? We've done you an advertisement. All right, kick it forward. or we'll do you commercials and whatever. Um. <laughs>
0: They'll do us a favor of not suing us for mentioning them.
1: All right, let's see. I'll make this transition so fast you can edit it. So <laughs> do you collect games or collectibles and or collectibles?
0: Um, yes, is, a, is the simple answer. Um, I, I have a, mo- a very modest big box collection. I'm really just sort of gathering up a lot of the um, games that I used to have as a kid and stupidly threw away um, when I moved out of my parents' house because I just what, didn't really think I would ever collect these games at the time. Um, right. My parents always kind of tried to raise me to believe that video games are something that I really should grow out of at some point. So that was kind of my, okay, fine, now... I'm, uh, uh, now, now I'm moving out. I'm moving on my own and I have to leave this behind me. So I just like junked a lot of really, um, really <laughs> games that would be quite costly to replace today. And, uh w- which I had brand new complete. And then I just like threw them into a garbage bag and tossed them into a dumpster. So, um, a lot of those games, not all. There are some which I have resigned that I will never see again. But you know, a lot of those ones I am trying. I have spent probably about a year trying to rebuild for you know that little uh, comfortable nostalgia. But and um, you know, and I-, I also like toys and collectibles and stuff like that. Not not too crazy. But just you know, little things that I think would be cool or mean something to me. So I, I could probably fit my collection on maybe a shelf. Um, And then, you know, I guess I do also have like a bunch of uh, console games accumulated over the years. So probably two shelves. And that's really about it. I'm not even I don't even know how much more I'm going to collect just because it's gotten so expensive at this point. So
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's something a lot of listeners can relate to is uh, the paradox of of most of us that are buying and spending so much money on, on these big boxes, um, it almost, or finding them in thrift stores if you're lucky. But it, it almost makes me wonder: has at any time in history have any of us bought back our own old childhood games without knowing it, like the same physical one, right? Because we've all, you know, left them behind. Uh, I know mine was left in, in a box with me stuffed animal named Chubbles, lovely little. <laughs> Very comforting at nighttime, um, but um, but you know it's a paradox we can all kind of relate to. But we we gave these games up and we didn't think much of it, and now we're spending ridiculous amounts of money on it. So that being said, um, what is your biggest regret? You know, is there one game that that you're still like, oh my god, mate, that's like three hundred quid on on uh, dollars, whatever, on on eBay, and and I just let it go.
0: Um, I would, I would probably say that. Uh, well, there's two answers to that. I'd say in terms of sheer dollar value, I had the three and a half inch floppy disc big box version of Loom complete with the audio cassette oh. um, that I just, it, it's not coming back. It's not going to anyone. It's sitting in a dumpster underneath a pile of garbage right now. Uh, so that's really heartbreaking to know that because I'm never going to see that again. Not in that condition uh, not that complete it's going to cost uh, way more than i'm ever going to be willing to spend on a uh, big box uh the other one and um i i guess i mentioned this on the last episode in uh, when i was talking to Joel, but um uh one of my best friends had Ultima 7 uh which is one of my fa- what i just mentioned is one of my favorite games of all time and i when we were moving out of our childhood homes at around the same time and I was over at his place helping him clean out his basement and he was going through like his collection of big box games and he was telling me like oh is there anything that you want to take with you because I'm just going to throw all this stuff out and in amongst there was like Ultima 7 which is one of my favorite games but again I had to just be like nah nah you know I'll, I'll, I'll take the cloth map as a keepsake but then you can just like you know toss the box and the discs and the manual and everything <laughs> else out. And, you know, I just, you know, to, to, to imagine I had one of my favorite games of all time in a beautiful box, you know, complete uh, big box. And then I just like, you know, I, I took the map because I like the map. And then I just like, you know, threw the rest into the dumpster. It's just, ah, you know, there's, and there's quite a few games that are like that. I used to work at a used computer store where we would actually this was a time when we would actually take in computer games and a lot of them were big box games. And so I would, you know, have my little um, staff discount and uh, I'd have first picks obviously, cause I worked there so I could, uh, you know, claim stuff before it went out for sale to the uh, general public. And I uh, collected a lot of those ones too. And there, some of them were, some of those ones are really, um, really awesome boxes or really hard to find boxes and then at that time i would just be like hey you know what i would save a lot of money if i just trade these back in so i can make 10 bucks to put towards next one i thought i was so clever about that and uh you know just when you think about all the games that have passed through my hands that i just totally you know pushed to the side it's uh it's kind of heartbreaking to think now what uh what it would cost to get some of those back you know
1: yeah, no, absolutely. There, there was a point halfway through that where it got really sad, like like watching a movie where, where like the dog dies. I was just really bummed out thinking about where your loom is. Um, and then I was sort of wondering if that map that you had could lead you back to the game in some sort of ironic twist. Nope. Um, yeah, no, this is real life though. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those moments. I I had a mate text me once. He's like, "Hey, you got you got to watch this movie. It's so good." And then like 3 minutes later he texts me he's like, "Never mind. They just shot a horse." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, All right, well, yeah, at least he spared me." But but anyway, yeah, um Uh, So I I guess that being said, in your current collection, um, what's your favorite item? And to kind of double that up, what's your most desired item? White whale, if you will.
0: Um, White whales, pretty much everything that I don't have has become a white whale because like I said, a lot of the ones I don't have are the ones I just, I'm never really going to find at a price that I'm willing to pay for them anymore. So um, a lot of the individual boxes of the quest for glory series uh they sell for quite a bit and they're not really that easy to come by you see them around but you know hard to find between good condition complete and affordable you never find them in uh all three at the same time
1: right Um, Right,
0: so you know thankfully i have like uh the quest for glory anthology and uh so I kind of have that, so that's that's fine. But you know, it, it would be great to eventually come across like the individual boxes. In terms of like fa- my favorite out of my current collection, uh, it's really hard to pick just one. I I would say that you know there has been a lot of pride and you know accomplishment in you know keeping an eye out, looking at all these um, you know setting my target on a game. Stocking it down, waiting and being patient, and then finding the right time to grab up a, a copy of it for a reasonable price. You know, and that obviously um, is very satisfying, but I guess at the same time, I think probably one of my favorites is actually um, my copy of Planet's Edge, just because it's one of like three big box games that was actually from when I was a teenager that for some reason I just decided to keep that one. Uh, It's a good game, but I I don't know, compared to the other ones I threw out, I'm not sure why I kept that one, but, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the game, and it's the one that I've actually had, you know, the one that I bought from that um, store that I used to work at, and it's still in mint condition, and it was missing the notepad and, like, you know, a a registration card or something like that, so I've kind of bought, like, a couple of different crummy versions to uh, complete the set, so I guess that's kind of... um, (laughs) It's kind of a both worlds day. Number one, it is one that dates back to actually being the one that I owned when I was a teenager, and also one that I had to track down a bit recently in order to complete the box.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of highlights what um, a rather kind of daft question that was on my my behalf, and you did a lovely job with it. I appreciate it. because really, at the end of the day, if it's in your collection, you really wanted it there. So I know this a tough one. To, tough one to actually answer, um, but it's a really good answer uh, coming up with the hybrid, basically. You know, yeah. something that you kind of piece together through time.
0: The other thing too is that I don't really I don't really collect these for value very much. So I never really think about. Oh, I gotta get like the super ultra rare. You know, I never think about like, oh, I need to find Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut, which goes for like four or $5,000. I don't really need those kind of things. It's all just about the games that mean something to me. So, I mean, I do have, I actually own a copy of Rule of Rose, and I own a copy of um, Red Riding Hood's uh, Zombie Barbecue. And those are two games that just, for some reason, I just happen to have decided to buy back in the day and just for some reason are worth hundreds now but uh so if you want to say oh what are the most valuable in my collection it'd probably be one of those but i don't really collect for value i don't really collect for oh that's like a really rare thing it's just sort of like oh That's something I had as a kid, and I really want that. Except now it costs three hundred dollars, so I'm not going to get that anymore, right?
1: Right, cost three hundred dollars, and two of the three discs don't work no more. Yeah. Um, Usually the way it goes there. No, you did did a fine job, and I've got some lovely news for you. Um, I've only got one more question, so I'll be letting you go soon, right? (laughs) You're muscling through this. We're almost done, mate. Finish lines right here. All right, we're going to do a question. Here we go. so you've got five thousand dollars to spend on a retro gaming room. What are you buying and why? Any arcade cabinets? Um, anything extravagant? Uh, would you, you yeah. know, just fill the shelves with big boxes? What's yeah, your... probably something like that. I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably just like
0: find some of the games. Like if I'm not allowed to spend it on anything else, like I'm not allowed to just be like, okay, five thousand dollars, I'm gonna buy a car. See you later. Um, Assuming no, that I have to be, yeah. <laughs> assuming that I have to spend, you know, anything I don't spend on this is just going to, like, you know, um, you know, it, it can't be spent on anything else. So I, you know, I have to burn the budget. Uh, it really would just come down to finding some games that I really want that I that I uh, that are really hard to find. I wouldn't have got without thousands of dollars, right? So you know, I it would be cool to have. Something like Maniac Mansion, Big Box, or, you know, um, the all of the Ultima games, or something like that. That's probably, yeah, that's probably about it. I, I can't imagine. I'm not a very... I, I never really go that lavish on myself. I don't really want, like, huge rigs and arcades and stuff like that. I, I really appreciate and feel kind of jealous when I see other people do that, but I know it's something that I don't really need for myself
1: right right no that's a good answer it's, it's basically i think where, where i kind of head is more, more just you know all the big boxes as opposed to to you know the uh, kind of more extravagant things like like you so so finally said and i uh, unnecessarily repeated no i'm kidding that's actually a really good point I, th- I think the majority of it for me as well would go into that so uh, i know that I, I said one last question um but that was a lot it's never just one last question yeah, I'm sorry. You, no, you it, know, that
0: happens sorry. to me all the time, too. I say, okay, we're wrapping this up, and then I ask, like, you know, throw on another 15 minutes or so.
1: Right, yeah, this is the encore performance, basically. <laughs> I, I, could, I could hear the, our future listeners calling out for it. Um, and also, I want to get you in a bit of hot water, so I'm going to ask you... <laughs> all right. What, what is the most universally accepted, most universally kind of just popular game that you don't like?
0: I think probably... Actually, you know what? Probably the one that really reaches a lot of people's number one favorite games. Uh, Maybe not so much amongst classic gamers, but probably some of them too. But yes, like you know, people who don't really game a lot, but you know, they'll you know they'll at least be enough of a gamer to own consoles as time goes on.
1: They dabble, right?
0: Yes, and um, and a lot of those people will say that you know, if not number one, then in their top five favorite games would be Red Dead Redemption. I didn't hate it, and I sure played it all the way through. So you know, it, it couldn't have been that bad if I actually completed it. But I just, I don't know. There was something there that I just didn't. Uh, it just didn't grab me the way it seems to grab other people. I I thought that uh, the game relied too much on escort missions and you know racing horses and um, it really, as with any. Rockstar game like grand theft auto and stuff like that the real fun of it is just sort of not playing the game and just going around causing chaos and havoc when it came to actually like people kept telling me oh no you got to play it's a really great story it's a really great story i'm like okay then i'll actually play this one for real f- do the story and then they're like okay so for this next mission you got to race your horse i'm like okay and i do that and they're like okay so now you got to ride to the next town on your horse I'm like okay Oh no! People are shooting at the person you're supposed to protect protect them. Okay, okay. Now you got to race a horse again. It's like okay. I don't know what you guys think is like the fun part of a western game, but it's not this. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I it like I said it they did it, It's quite a great accomplishment. It's the in the scope of what they did. Like a huge map. Everything looks beautiful. Um, you know, there's a lot in there that is actually great i just don't think that they um really uh presented it in a way that i particularly really uh clicked with
1: right yeah it's, it's almost like grand theft auto with with horses and and it takes an extra 20 minutes to get anywhere
0: yeah pretty much and there's and there's a lot less to see i mean like it's beautiful you look at the scenery and say like, oh wow that's really nice but you know you're still on a trail and uh, you know and uh coyote's been chasing you for the last five minutes and you know it's uh, (laughs) i don't know i I love westerns and you know i loved grand theft auto back in the day like you know uh, gta gta's one through vice city i liked all those ones and uh, it just seemed like it would be so perfect for a western grand theft auto and it just never really it has never really clicked. In fact, I just haven't, really haven't liked Grand Theft Auto since Vice City. You know, I didn't like San Andreas very much. I didn't like 4. Um, and it's not that I just don't like those games. I've been having a blast with the Saints
1: Row series. Have you ever played those ones? No, I haven't played Saints Row. Um, you, were, you were just saying that you, you do like that one.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't play the first one because I just... That was one of those games where I just kind of judged it a little too quick. I sort of saw it and sort of like, ah, oh, that doesn't look like the game for me. But then I heard a lot more about Saints Row Two, and you know a lot of people say that the second one is where it really hit the stride. And uh, so I played that one, and it was great. It it kind of it kind of reminded me of how fun Grand Theft Auto Vice City was. You know, the last time I actually mm. enjoyed a Grand Theft Auto game. But, and um, same. And um, Saints Row Two was just you know it was that fun. It just kind of put the fun back into it. And then Saints Row Three just like kind of really kicked it up to 11 and then four they just like went bonkers they're just like okay we know who we are um we're not trying to take we you know they, they've kind of spent the last couple of games not really taking themselves seriously like incrementally like okay you know uh i i can't comment on one the second one was kind of like a good balance between silly but also kind of serious, and third was just like let's just go really silly, and four was just like okay, just everything out the window. Let's just be complete chaos, and you know, <laughs> and it was just it was fantastic.
1: I can imagine them pitching that game like it's going to be a lot like three, but with a lot more hookers you can buy. That's what the kids want these say. <laughs>
0: I don't actually think, think there's hookers in it. Even I, I, think it's a sort of um, uh, it just becomes more and more of a parody of. Of itself, if anything, and then parodies of other games. It's sort of you know the fourth one is basically just one giant parody of all video games.
1: I am literally finally all out of questions. Uh, are we going to go to some adverts? Uh, oh, we don't have any. No, all right, not really. so none of that.
0: Well, right, con- contrary yeah. to my general tone throughout this thing, it has actually been a lot of
1: fun. You big softy, come on now, mate. Um,
0: I, I don't ever want to do it again, but I will say it was been fun for while well, I did do it. But uh...
1: <laughs> but um, so you usually wrap this up. Um, I, I, I don't know how to do it. Um, everyone just listen to white noise while I go do a pee and I will come back and uh, wrap this up. Uh, no, um, so I'd like, here we go. I'm going to channel me in a bit because I, I did actually re-listen to, to your interviews to, to try and you know just channel the, the leadership qualities you have. <clears throat> that's all the time we have tonight on the CGG podcast I'd like to thank Rick Estley for joining us and uh, you know be safe out there don't do a murder or nothing silly <laughs> and uh, oh, man, I muffed it up All right, no, I, no that's,
0: that's great I want to keep that I'm right, right, just we'll see, going to be a part of it from now on
1: that's that's kind of our motto here don't do a murder Uh,
0: thanks for joining us don't do a murder have a good night (laughs) thanks for having me
1: cheers